0: Hey, welcome to Narrative Live, everyone. It's nice to have you here because tonight we're going to do something a little bit, uh, a little bit controversial, but it's not without merit because, you know, as everyone knows, the coronavirus pandemic in its third wave is now probably coming at us at a wave that is going to be quite, um, quite difficult for everyone to handle. Um, there's no way we can look at the next, um, you know, 30 days, 40 days, and say that the disaster uh, is not going to get worse. It's going to get much worse. We're talking about potentially 500,000 people dead by February. So with that in mind, I wanted to sort of go back, re-examine all the evidence we have, and take a look and see, you know, do we really understand everything about how the coronavirus got here? And it's not so much that I want to look at it from a scientific perspective, because I'm not a scientist, and... um, we just don't have the information to figure out if it's scientifically valid, um, what we know about what the origins of the virus. But I wanted to take a look at it as if it were a a crime scene, as if it were a scene of a uh, of a major international crime with national security implications. Um, you know, in other words, does China have had are there other reasons China might benefit from having a virus like this spread around the world? I'm not saying in any way this was a biological weapon, and I'm not saying in any way um, that it you know, was created in a lab or manufactured by a Dr. Evil or anything like that. But I am going to pay, pose some questions, which I've posed before, about where the actual origin of the virus came from, whether it came from a Wuhan uh, lab or not. Um, and then I'm also going to talk a little bit about the amount of benefit that has come to Xi and China and how much NATO countries in particular have struggled with all of this. So the evidence is, you know, you can argue it in many ways because there is no actual definitive proof of what happened. No one has, there's been no international observers allowed into China up until now. So we don't really know uh, what what they, uh, what the origins were, what international observers might even want to discover if they had got got it in there. And we're now aware that you know, eight months, nine months later, all the data might have been wiped or or gotten rid of in the first place. So all of that is going to come up on the show today. And I expect as much feedback and an argument as you guys can muster, because I'm sure you'll have lots of things to say at me. Um, and then later on, uh, Dina Grayson is going to be by. And Dina is going to talk about the actual real life implications of how you should be handling this virus at home as, you know, as these numbers are going to keep racking up, as you're going to see on the news, constant reporting about the, um, about the hospitalization rates going up. You heard today about New York City schools shutting down again. We're going to get to that point where we were in, in March or February in New York is going to happen nationwide. Worse. Worse. Yeah. So nationwide, we're going to have the same difficulty where doctors are going to be asking that difficult question of, should I be putting that person in an ICU bed? Can I afford this ICU bed for that patient? That's, a, that's the kind of position no doctor ever wants to be in. And that's when a virus, which is mostly treatable and, and can be treated, now uh, becomes really, really deadly, really, really deadly very quickly.
1: I think our administration currently has been a national security risk for four years um, because... Uh, one big reason, China owns them. They, mm. Donald has a lot of debt to China. Jared has a tremendous sort of uh, ties in there and problems with that. His family as well. Always want to keep reminding people that for Jared, it's a family thing. For the for the Trumps, we see very easily how it's a family uh, business, but we always give Jared this passes if there's not this family business behind him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so... It's not just China, it's the Saudis, it's Russia, it's all these foreign interests that have their hands in the wallets um, and the bank accounts and the debt sheets <laughs> of uh, of the two crime families in the White House, uh, of Donald and, and Kushner. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that as a starting point, virus aside, um, is you know calls that relationship into question in a way um, that's does deserve investigating. And then you have what China did when the virus broke out. I am in the camp, you know. I, I appreciate you saying right at the top of like you're not saying it's a bioweapon. This is a naturally occurring virus. If you listen to the scientists, have looked at the DNA of it. It's just they knew this was going to come. We knew there would be. A coronavirus like this you know we've been getting warnings about this for a very long time that there would be a corona that would come in that would, would be a horrible strain and become a pandemic mm. and that's why we had a pandemic response team mm. <laughs> and a pen and a whole playbook of what to do at the white house that was informed by intelligence and informed by national security concerns and informed by the scientists and driven by all of that that Trump could use and he just ignored it and he knew what it was. I think that's the other things Ev, that's so important to always remind everybody. He knew not just from the intelligence, he had the intelligence briefings back in January, February of what this thing was, but I do bet he got some information. It would not surprise me if he got some information from Z Xi and Xi's government while all of that being kept from us saying this is really bad. This is really bad virus this is what we're doing here. It's bad. So, other than that, we were iced out of uh, the whole world, was iced out by China from understanding what was about to come and arrive. And that, you know, these things they get out, they're out. They're out. Now, I have a completely different take <laughs> <laughs> because, um, you know, the port in Italy, it was to me very significant that the big. This is Lombardy,
0: fly- right? In Lombardy. Yeah,
1: the big uh, down in Naples as well. Mm, okay. Uh, Napoli. Uh, is the biggest port for for things coming in, human beings and products coming in from China into all of Europe. comes in through Italy, you guys, into that port. And um, a, a tremendous amount of the products and the people, some of whom aren't supposed to be on those ships, um, go right up into the northern region, and, um, for the textile industry, right, Right. and and the garment industry Mm -hmm. up there. And so for me, uh, it was when I saw that it was, oh, Chinese virus, oh, showing up in Italy first, oh, burning through Italy right in these regions. I I had a very, I have my own take on that, studying organized crime and knowing how just goods and people flow in from from China into Italy and into Europe through that port. Of um, how that virus possibly got r- r- really, really spread like wildfire. Fire. Now, final thing, and then I want to hear from Eric. Um, I mean, Donald's benefiting from it. He he sought to benefit from this, and so did Jared. Did they have participation and help in that from the people who owned them? Were the requests made? I don't know. I don't know how we could ever know that. But for me, I just keep. Right. My dog him. is
0: under the table and making a little oh, bit of noise. So if you if you keep oh, Edmund's cables heads. are moving around, so I just want to that's make sure he, okay. he's okay. that's okay. I know. So I apologize okay. for Okay, he's noise.
1: okay. That's all right. I know you've got to keep an eye on him right yeah, he's now. Yeah, having um, a hard time. Yeah, he's having a hard time. So uh, the uh, I'm very concerned about the the profiteering and the corruption and uh, uh, around this virus um, and what happened with Jared um, and what that was all really about back in when it was first spreading here and how they've handled it ever since. And mm-hmm. then we had a super capital off with a super spreader event of going on this campaign and just willfully spreading the scene everywhere. Mm-hmm.
0: That's a, those What's are some really on. good points because I think you've you've I, yeah. you know you've, you've highlighted two things that are really interesting. Trump's connection to China, of course, and then did he get any insider knowledge from Xi? But he's also, you know, did the super spread event now. But back in February he did this other mm-hmm. tour of the country telling people that it wasn't serious at all and don't worry about it, it will yeah. be no one will die, no problem. Um meanwhile He was you
1: know, at NASCAR. Remember that? He took yeah, yeah. the he took the beast, the presidential vehicle oh, yeah. and did that did that roundabout at NASCAR where all the stands were packed in with everybody and he knew how deadly it was. And he was saying at that time, it's a hoax and you don't have yeah. to wear, it. I don't know about the masks. And he was, he was going to where people were packed in and getting them to scream and shout for him.
2: Exactly. right next so, to one another. I want to back up and take this from a national security uh, perspective. And the first thing that needs to be understood about how the public uh, is told what happened uh, and who might it, it be attributed to as an actor. It is our security doctrine that if we are hit with a weapon of mass destruction from a nation state, th- it is our doctrine to respond with at least equal force, if not disproportionate um, you know, deterrent force. If you're going to kill 250,000 of our citizens will take out a city really that's um, interesting. Um, that's, then, that's and, a that's a definite like must do
0: that's determined by whom by just the by history or how does it work
2: you know joint chiefs of staff i mean generally we do not let you know we would not allow um kazakhstan to fire missiles at boston mm-hmm. you know or to or to dump chemical weapons on us so you know that would that would trigger article five of the national atlantic right. or um, uh May, the north atlantic treaty and uh which by the way was triggered after nine 11. And to my knowledge has never been untriggered. The only time it's been invoked was after September 11th. That's interesting. Article five, which is mutual defense. And we may learn more about that. Um, but even if we knew, yeah, it was China and they worked together with their partners, the Saudis and the Russians to spread, you know, not only release this thing, um, on purpose but then spread disinformation and control their puppets over here that would be an act of war and uh this would escalate extremely quickly we may live to see that fact recognized and perhaps some of that is why they want to delay well, that, be careful biden you don't know that act- yeah
1: you mean we may live to see uh,
2: just i'm snake. i'm saying you know when you know when a biden administration has access to uh uh, you know, intelligence briefings, um, you know, and perhaps hypothetically, this might be why some of the folks here want to keep him from those briefings as long as possible. Who knows? But, you know, bio warfare is a thing that is developed and studied. Um, we are told, you know, in the United States, we study these things for defensive uh, natures, uh, the Russians and the Chinese. Uh study the same things and Wuhan is a biosecurity lab at that level mm-hmm. where you can not only study existing pathogens but there's what's known as uh, gain of function research mm-hmm. which is considered the troubling part of like oh you found something like I believe the the coronavirus is in question you know there's a cave of bats and they're finding organisms that have you know that unusual ability to I forget this zoonotic I forget the term for it Dina will know Um, of of you know jumping from an animal to a human, because um, we're similar but different, and not every pathogen will do that. Um, and they found a whole bunch in these in these caves, and you know that's the kind of thing that you study at NIH or at a military, uh, you know, warfare lab or you know any place with that that needs a lot of security and to understand what the risks to. You know the public are from you know if something like that caught on naturally, um, but when you get in a gain of function research, that's like, all right, how would we make that um more catchy by you know uh, droplets, aerosol, right. or how, you know how can we get this so eighty percent of people don't even show a symptom or you know when would the first symptom show? Could we make it so it doesn't show the first symptom in in five days? But in 15, you know, mm. and now you're in bio warfare research. And that's, you know, that is forbidden uh, under the Geneva Conventions, but, you know, uh, you know people I still do it. People, it's look, not, have, people still do it sometimes because they're just doing it preventatively. I mean, they just want to know that they can predict what
0: might happen. That was the initial reasoning for introducing those studies.
1: Well, okay, and then hang you on. To predict. Uh, yeah. Uh, Sorry to uh, interrupt it, either of you. It's okay. I, I just think this is getting into. We can't, we can't do both things. This is just me, and you guys yeah. can shoot me down. We can't say we don't have the science; we don't know. We have to get in there and yet make these big declarative statements about the science. Yeah, uh, that kind of manipulation and stuff, um, and experimentation—at least if it were to happen here—it happens under. you have to have you have to put in a request. It happens under incredible supervision, if at mm-hmm. all. It's not. This is not. Um, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. It's like, a, I feel like we're in a Michael Crichton novel <laughs> that kind of exploded in all the wrong directions and nobody has any answers. And I, I think, so... Um, uh,
0: but what Eric is what, saying is right. It's about-
1: what we do know, yeah, what, but what we do know about this virus, we do know this, is that it is naturally occurring. This naturally occurred. It hasn't been manipulated. Now, the response has been. The response has been weaponized here, and that's insane. Mm -hmm. Um, And whether, and that's the thing, you know, I, I don't know, Eric, whether we'll ever start looking. I think it's so tricky. I'm so interested in, like, where all the yeah, it's in the classified realm. You you're, you're, you're right. They've been throwing. I, I'm right. They've been throwing. They've been shipping fentanyl here by the shiploads. Uh, you know, for quite a while. We could look at that and the ravaging that this fentanyl has had on our and our citizenry and and our communities, and look at that in a very particular way. And say, why the fuck mm-hmm. are these people sending all these over here? Right. And so it- there's. You know, I mean, there. But I, I think for our moment, just for me, for the moment we're going through, I I just don't know that we know everything that happened in the communications between the Chinese government and the Trump administration, and that to me seems to be the first place to start. It certainly is an important place.
0: So let me run you through some of the things that we do know. And I, these are, these are real facts that I think are verifiable in many, many places that I've done my research on a lot of this stuff. So, so China does have the only database of bat coronaviruses, um, which is an interesting thing to have when you suddenly have a pandemic that comes from, uh, bat coronavirus. It could have come from anywhere, of course, but it didn't. It came from the bats. And that's the one area they happen to study. They also have, um, Identified, previously identified the closest identifiable relative of the current coronavirus. In other words, they knew that it came from a Hunan cave in 2003, I think, but I'll, I'll show you that in a second. And so they were, you know, they had that in their database. They knew that this virus had existed within a region of China previously. And then what, what, um, what Eric was just saying about gain of function is really important because their bat woman, as she's called, uh, who runs the, the bat project over there in, in Wuhan, she is a, is known for her gain of function experimentation. In fact, uh, I'll put up this slide over here, um, she did this exercise here, where i think she combined HIV and a similar virus, a coronavirus, together to see, hey, what would happen if we duplicate, if we manipulated this particular virus? It was—it was a preventative measure, preventative um, mm-hmm. uh, exercise, but nevertheless. In that very lab in Wuhan is where they were experimenting with the manipulation of the genome of of certain viruses. So, you know, in 2004, she did this combination of SARS and HIV. And in 2014, it was the NIH, the American NIH, that funded um, some of her work. And then in 2015, it was withdrawn. And the reason it was withdrawn was the very real fear that it might turn into something that could turn into a pandemic. So they stopped funding a lot of this of this research. So this wasn't something that people weren't aware of. They knew that they were making these uh, grants to these research projects that could ultimately backfire on the, on everybody with a pandemic. She was so concerned by the way uh, when she found out about the pandemic such so you know this is according to yeah. Scientific America she said she breathed a sigh of relief when the results came back None of the sequences made those of the viruses her team had sampled from bat case. In other words, she was comparing the uh, results from the coronavirus to the what she had in her bat database. And she's, they couldn't find anything, or so she claimed. And that uh, really took a load off my mind, she says. I had not slept a wink in days. So she herself was concerned that maybe... Maybe this particular pandemic was spawned from um, from her lab. As it turns out, she says, and there's a she says he says thing here, which I'll show you in a second. But she claims mm-hmm. that um, that you know that virus uh, that that you know she was concerned about the virus coming from her lab, and then they found out when they cross referenced it with the database that it did not. So this is mm-hmm. you know. I mean, there's a lot of information for people to sort of get in their heads, but you're saying basically, did the virus naturally occur in a wet market where it jumped from some animal to another animal and somehow, you know, became this pandemic or did a virus that was already being manipulated within a, within a Wuhan lab, did that perhaps escape? Because, you know, how else did this virus get to Wuhan? I mean, the nearest bats that were infected with the coronavirus were 11,000 miles away. So how did it get to Wuhan to get, you know, to get exposed to this larger community of people? And so those are the kind of questions which I think, you know, if you look at it from a purely crime sort of perspective, if you're just doing a who has the means, motive and opportunity um, to commit Mm -hmm. a crime here. You know, it starts looking a little different than the scientific point of view. The scientific point of view is you need the actual genome spliced up and you need to know exactly what the parent of every genome is. But in the, mm-hmm. in the in a crime perspective, you just say, hey, who looks suspicious here? And who, ga- who gains the most out of this particular crime and who loses the most? And when you start doing that exercise, then it begins to look even more, more suspicious. So I'll go through some of those in a bit, but I just want to get your initial thoughts on any of those, if you
2: have any. Well, to, I want to build on what lb's talking about. I
1: think these, I think these wet markets have to go away. <laughs> and I don't know how that... I, 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 I think look, we'll agree with that. Think, but that's Eric, I, I think, um, Eric jumped I in
0: think first. So okay.
1: okay, I think there's stupid stuff that's going on that led to this stuff.
0: Okay, we'll get right back to that. I just want to make sure that Eric you know,
2: jumped to, in first. It, there's, a, there's a whole lot of this that's going to be, that's going to remain in, in top secret intelligence land and may never make it out. But what we can measure to LB's point, is the response mm-hmm. and some of the other actions of some of the players. So if you take these, if you back up and you look at Russia pushing disinformation around vaccines mm-hmm. to try and make our bodies over here more susceptible to pathogens, um, you know, we assume that we can't understand exactly where this COVID-19 came from. And to, to a point, it doesn't matter. But we do know that... You know, our Senate, when they were briefed on it, they cashed their investments out and left us to go screw. And, you know, now, you know, yeah, Trump goes and takes a, you know, takes a loop around NASCAR and they have hug a Chinese person day in Italy around that Mm. same time period, LB, since, you you know, uh, to combat anti Asian racism that might come out because of this uh, this virus thing, which. You know, the intelligence that has been made public is in and around that biosecurity lab. In October, we know that all the communications went dead in a way that wouldn't normally happen. And they start the construction and all this. And then two months later, Italy's having, well, let's let's hug every Chinese person you see. And combine that with the fentanyl coming in. And I'm just going to just jump to the end. Mm. Think of the Geneva Conventions. You know, bio warfare is a war crime. Chemical warfare is a war crime. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter who, you know, whether, you know, COVID-19 was sequenced on purpose. Um, The fentanyl, we freaking know where that's coming from. And it's almost like there are people doing bio warfare and chemical warfare on the United States while just kind of technically getting around the edges of the Geneva convention. And I think that is something that, needs uh exposing. What what regimes are behind that? But more alarmingly, why did this regime in our country that was installed to not do nice things here, they seem to have gone along with that. If somebody had the means and the motive to do the stuff that you're talking about, mm. they couldn't have had any better friends than this group of
0: scumbags. Absolutely. And they really would not have, you couldn't have done a better job at, at uh, installing anybody. If you were going to do that, um, if you know, then these guys are the cushioners and the Trumps and they're big paychecks from all these countries. And so LB, you interrupted you. I want to make sure that we get your, uh, your thoughts about no, that other saying, stuff. I,
1: I, I just, um, I just really want us to survive the next two months. Mm. <laughs> and, um, and I really, uh, there's there are real hate crimes happening. It's going to make me cry. Oh,
0: no. It gets, we always uh, make you cry. Sorry no, about it's, that.
1: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just intense. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm all up for a hug of Chinese American Day. Yeah. Uh, I am. Um, I, I cannot, um, I can't stand that side of it. This backlash is happening Against people who just you know <laughs> swear, haven't even been to China but because of their of their some of their um of their genetic worry. I mean I'm as Irish as you get. This is it guys. This is an <laughs> Irish face. Doesn't get any more Irish than this with the eyes and the hair. It's with my hair I I make my hair brown. It's red. <laughs> um so I just uh it is I tough. I Just want to be mindful of that in this conversation too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: And this they've weaponized is... us against ourselves. Yeah, I think the, that's, what that's exactly to is the, going to the insidious nature. Mm-hmm. And they've weaponized hugs. They've weaponized going to the diner and getting a breakfast. That and, and um, Zach Bornstein, the, uh, the the comedian, he said. Uh, you know, responding to some news about vaccines, he goes, You know, I forget, I don't want to seem like too much of a softy here, but I'm getting legitimately emotional about the ability to go to a second rate restaurant. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, I miss my fra- favorite breakfast joint, you know? Yeah. What kind of behavioral
0: things are they doing to us? Like, you know, what is this virus really doing? I mean, you think about how we've just disengaged from societies. We don't, we don't longer go to work. So we don't have contact with our work colleagues. We, we exclude anybody but our our core family from any part of our social lives. Those are are fundamentally um, altering things to our lives. Um, and it's only happening really. Amongst these NATO countries, sort of the top tier countries of uh, who are affected by COVID nineteen, it's mostly the NATO countries that are most affected, and it's America that is by far the most effective affected. And that's you know, it's there's a lot of questioning about why Asian countries have a much lower uh, death per hundred thousand death rate than these other European countries, and we can get well, to some of some of that later on. But it's not just let's because. See,
1: let's see if they. Let's see if they. First of all, let's see if I, I still don't think we're getting accurate information from anywhere, from anywhere. I don't feel like, it, it's like we're in the middle of a burning fire and we're not getting, so I don't know, one. And two, because because this, co- Corona is not new. Um, so there could be some...
0: Immunity. Uh, I think there is. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. lo- you know, there, there's two strains that came out of Wuhan. One was a much stronger strain and one was a much weaker strain that... The the thinking seems to be that you know these bats in in that were found eleven thousand miles away that had a relationship to the current coronavirus. Those bats had created a little bit of immunity within those communities in Asia um, to coronavirus. So one of the reasons it's hitting these European countries and American countries more more harshly than these Asian countries is because there might be some built-in immunity immunity, either from a similar coronavirus or from SARS or MERS or previous incarnations of these other kinds of virus in Asia, which means that look at this. So they have, you know, they've got a 5,000 people died in China. That's, you know, five out of one million people, uh, compared to Belgium, which is 83 out of one million people. I mean, that's a significant gap. Um, and you know, the United States is, is what a 29 or 30, 30. And that's before this, this next surge happens. So, um, you know, we're, we're this is statistically an interesting things that all these countries, the first 10 of them, at least are all European or NATO countries. So, um, why is that happening? Why are we seeing such a, a divergence in terms of population? I think we need to answer this question either way. I mean, they, either it is immunity or it isn't. Maybe they just responded so much better than the West,
1: but it would
2: be yeah, good to know. That's a
1: big part of it. It's yeah. a big part of it, especially South Korea. Boy, did they respond. Right. But so responded, responded really well. well. They did. They did. And then they, and then they got a lot of misinformation going on in there and, and people got lax. And then they realized, oh shit, we got really lax. Um, so uh, you know it, it's a lot of it, it, this virus in and of itself um, is it, it, it's the opportunists that are out there um, have definitely taken advantage of it.
0: Mm-hmm.